0: welcome to the embodiment industry leaders podcast with your host asha rubinstein in this podcast i chat with some of the most gifted embodiment practitioners and some of the most successful entrepreneurs in our industry we explore the major challenges and the new opportunities to get ahead in healing in growth and in business so sit back relax, and listen in for some really powerful wisdom on how you can become a better coach, a better facilitator, and a more successful entrepreneur.
1: I'd not to have a bit of a yarn with Ash, and here he is, so I'll let him take it away. Tell us a little bit about the retreat, man. Hey
0: guys, I'll set up a bit of an intro. Tom S. Thomas, do you ever get Tom, or is it just Thomas? <laughs> I I get Tom all the time,
1: and Tom or Thomas is fine, or Busby. That's my old school nickname
0: from high school. Busby! (laughs) My boy Busby is going to be running some epic, epic trainings at the Catalyst Retreat. Thomas has been working as a photographer and a videographer and an editor and really like a, a brand consultant for some of these phenomenal coaches um, that you've probably seen showing up on your feed with really phenomenal video and photo content. And just as a side note, he's an absolute pleasure to work with. If you get the opportunity to work with Thomas, I highly recommend it. Um, And his partner, Emma, they're kind of like a double team duo. So I reached out to Thomas and brought him into this retreat to really answer the question of how can we make phenomenal content on our phones or if we're just starting out for digital photography with an SLR or a mirrorless SLR, how do we do that really easily and quickly and make it look really fucking good so that your photos pop on the feed and really pull people in? So that's what he's going to be teaching at the retreat and that's uh, what we're going to be talking about today. There we go. Spiel done. Thomas, do you have anything to add to the intro before we go into questions?
1: No, it feels like you summed it up pretty well, man. Pretty pretty good
0: summaration. I love it. Cool. Cool. Thomas, which um which fashion designers are you are you sporting on this fine day? What what items of clothing are you?
1: I'm um supporting the old school. Um, birthday suit, and that's the designer that I um, resonate the most with. So let's bring some more of that in the vibes.
0: Nice. Now should we get naked for this call? Is yeah. that what you're invited? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe not. I don't know. I, I kind of want to. I, I'm going to leave my top on for cold now. In Victoria, I'm
1: traveling down south at the moment. It's cold. It's rainy. It's miserable, and I kind of love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, classic That's Melbourne good. weather. Okay, cool. The first question is, how can I make my photos? So I, I know I need to have photos in my social media on Instagram and Facebook. And if I'm, I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. So how do I make photos that are really going to make people notice and stand out so that they stop and they engage?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I guess there's like, there's heaps of different ways to maybe making your photos pop online um, and videos as well. Cause I do a lot of video and photo. I would say you kind of want to have one thing that's unique. And when I'm doing a photo shoot or film shoot, I always try to have a prop and Normally, traditionally, a prop is like a physical prop, like I've just got like a mouse next to me or a water bottle or something like that. But when I think about a prop, I think about just one element that makes it a bit unique to me and makes it a bit of a unique image. So that could be a necklace, that could be a type of um, piece of clothing, but it could also be an emotion. It could be a location, it could be... Um, a type of humor, like something that's a little bit comedic and a specific type of humor. It could be sarcasm. It could be um, sadness. It could, like, one thing, if you have one thing in your image um, that is unique and then that you really hone in on, um, I think that's how you can kind of start to, to tell a really interesting story because you're not just taking random images. You're actually finding something. Think that represents you and using that in the image and it can be as simple as something like fire like the four elements you'll notice those elements get used over and over again which is fire water earth and air and air is in smoke like sage smoke and and breezes and stuff like that you notice a lot of people use the four elements because it's so captivating to everyone on a primitive level um, and they can just be reused in different ways. And it's like if you have one thing like fire, where you use fire every single time, it's like how many how many ways can you use fire to tell an interesting story and have an image pop? Like fire is just such a mystical, ancient tool that you know is like one of the first things that we really invented and really kind of took us into a new era. And that's like embedded in our our being. So using something like fire is a really great storytelling tool because you can you can capture it from so many different angles. Is it a candle? Is it a bonfire? Is it you know what type of flame is it? So just having one extra thing apart from you as your individual self is a really good tool and then not overcomplicating it with too much symbolism. And that's because we're currently viewing content in vertical. So it's like we're doing this in vertical mode now. So our spacing around us, like if you look at me, there's there's not much space around me. So it's like if you kind of look, look at my prop, my earring is probably my prop in this image. But when you, you go landscape, you have a lot more space around you to have more symbolism and and props. But because we're dealing with social media, everything's vertical, there's a lot less space. So if you just focus on one thing and just keep, experimenting with that one thing, like how many ways can you use that one comedic effect or how many ways can you use that one natural element? Does that, does that that make sense?
0: Yeah. I love that as an answer because it's a really practical entry point into making the photo meaningful, like Mm. pouring meaning in a way that's not overcomplicated. So it's Mm. like, okay, what's, what is the symbol? What is the prop? What is the meaning? And linking that meaning to the content of whatever it is that you're trying to say. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it, it, it makes it meaningful yet accessible. That's smart. Mm. And and I would add like, like the more you can comp like really understand because cause someone's gonna get that piece of advice and be like, oh well which meaning? Like what what meaning should I put? And if you're already writing a post, then you'd wanna create a photo that gives the meaning of that post from a visual lens, right? You'd wanna compliment the post and make it relevant. So if you're, I, I wrote a post today, which was quite vulnerable um, and it was about emotion. And I put a, a, a sad, not sad, but vulnerable and authentic expression. I wasn't smiling in my post. I was, I was like quite somber. So linking the, the emotion of the the photo with what it is that you're writing, I think. And then if, if you're just doing an image and you don't have any external reference points for what kind of meaning to put in it, you need to understand what are your brand pillars, like what what are the symbols or the values that you stand for as a brand and then start to bring symbols in for each of those pillars. And this is this is like the the basis of your marketing strategy, which we're gonna go really deep on at the retreat. Getting mm. some love I love that. on that one. Good to yeah. see a bit of and love. I love.
1: I love seeing it as a symbol as well. Like what are those symbols, those representations? That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. we're um, hitting the conscious with the text, the conscious mind, mm. but with the photo we get to start to connect with the subconscious as well.
1: Mm,
0: mm, mm. yeah cool okay should we move on to the next question
1: yeah
0: yeah okay so what is the best place for a beginner video and photo content creator what's the best place to put their energy to create better quality photo and video content
1: Mm. and I guess we'll Talk about this from someone who is wanting to create it for different purposes rather than just creating. So someone who's wanting to market, let's say. Yeah. So someone who's, yeah. someone who's like kind of an influencer and wanting to market their, their material. Um, yeah. Repeat the question again, and I'm just going to listen from that angle.
0: What's, where do I get the biggest bang from my buck Great. in terms of putting effort in to up the quality yeah. Of my photo and I would, videos.
1: Yeah. I would say, um, like, because we're kind of, we got to kind of think about what's the long term goal as well with your marketing. And there's, there's two options there's the always do it yourself, and then there's the slowly developing and building a team. And the hard thing that I find with, um, Influencers or people who are marketing themselves, especially like if you've got a product, it's so much easier, but if you're marketing yourself, I think you want to have the long-term vision of eventually having support around your marketing, whether that's a photo editor, whether that's a graphic designer, whether that's a fully fledged marketing team, you want to be slowly working towards that goal. Otherwise, like just on a fundamental business level, your business is always always going to be tied to you and how much energy you can put into marketing so setting that context i don't think it's appropriate if you're at the beginning stage to go and hire all of these creatives to do all of the work for you i I don't think it's appropriate and i don't think that's appropriate because you're not going to know what you're communicating you're not going to know what you're asking for and the first thing that i would say is i would just get really familiar with art in general, just artistry, general artistry, because if we think about what is art and what is the purpose of art, well, it's to, on some kind of level, it's to influence people and to inspire different emotions. So, if we can really understand different artistic techniques, if we can understand different um, tools and formulas and how different fonts do different things to the mind, how different colors do different things to the subconscious, how different shapes inspire different things. Once you can start to have a just a small understanding of the artistic process and what's needed and what all of these things mean, it, it means that once you start onboarding like someone to do a little bit of work for you and help you out in little areas, you're going to know what to communicate. So it's like getting the biggest bang for your buck is at the beginning is to up level your own knowledge of photo, video, storytelling, marketing, artistry. So and then when you start to onboard other people, you have a really good foundation to to communicate from. And that's because like at the moment you don't need like your best bank for your back buck isn't spending five grand on a fancy camera. Like that's that's not going to give you what you need, especially like I'm just using my iPhone at the moment and this is pretty good quality. I could have like my big fancy camera set up and linked up to my computer and stuff, but it's not necessary. Um, So like up-leveling your own skills and knowledge of the area is going to be a really good place, like one of the really good places to start.
0: Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I think eventually we all need to outsource most of what our business does because we just can't do everything as we grow and we Mm -hmm. and we definitely need to bring in experts for photography and videography Mm -hmm. but as a starting point you can you can totally do that yourself like I've I've done multiple six figure launches without any professional videography and photography Mm -hmm. um and but but to develop your sensibility to understand your style and and yeah, And and not just in looking at art, actually looking at other influences and, and being like, oh, I like the font she's using. I like the, uh, pho- I love the photography style that this person's using. I'm going to save that. I love mm. how that person writes their copy. I love how that person does their selfies. And to just have a list of people who you can use as reference points um, is really powerful. Mm. So you can mm. emulate it yourself. And then when you get a professional you can you can use them as reference points
1: yeah yeah. but you really want your own voice defined and I think that's the beauty of doing things yourself is you're defining your own voice and you're intuitively going oh yeah I like this I don't like this I like this I don't like that and that creates your own voice and you know like I get paid to create marketing material for people but when someone has a really strong voice that they've honed themselves that they've developed themselves all I need to do is amplify that voice and that makes yeah. my, my job so much easier. So if you can just find your voice, hone it, define it, like just keep exploring it, then that's the best place to put your energy. That's the biggest bang for your buck that you're ever going to get is finding your own voice.
0: Yeah. And, and in terms of actually improving your quality, like quick fixes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: number one, lighting, yeah, Like having your face, so I'm using a ring light and I've got a window of light in front of me. So it's quite an even, nice spread of light on my face. It's something anyone just can well. do.
1: Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I have a vendetta against ring lights. Why is that? And, and it's, it's just purely pretentiousness, really. But it's, people don't know how to use them where I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh, you, you, you're using the ring light correctly. But people love to have a ring light and have it really close to their face and have no shadows. And like, um, you, you've kind of diffused it nicely with the, um, the, the window light as well. And that's really nice because we've got some texture. We've still got some, some, some movement and some shadow going on. But people love to get a ring light and just put it as close as they can to their face and it looks horrible. It just removes yeah. personality.
0: Well, they're trying to remove every blemish from their face, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. And we'll yeah. come. We'll yeah. talk about that. Where, how much to use apps to beautify yourself? That's one, yeah. another question I want to ask. But yeah. back to the lighting, like yeah. lighting. just having an even spread of light on your face, not having your face like like I'll turn my ring light off, and you can kind of right. see. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. a, yeah. Bit, a bit lightless.
0: Yeah, it's it's not too bad. It could be worse. But with that on it really just mm. makes my face pop and show up. Yeah. And and so you can get a cheap ring light or you can simply just rotate yourself until mm. you get the right lighting. Yeah. Um, and then hmm there's a good I don't know if you've tried the Lensa app, but Lensa has some really simple easy presets for um, just editing the the contrast the lighting and they can mm-hmm. make a, a bland or shadowy image really pop out and stand out mm-hmm. and the good thing about lenser is you can divide foreground and background so you can have one preset for your foreground one preset for your background and nice. it does a really good job so if yeah. you're wanting to just quickly up the quality so my workflow is i'll take a photo make sure the lighting's good get clear on my concept, take the photo, make sure the lighting's good. And then I'll just go into lens. I'll do the editing. It takes like five minutes and then I've got a significantly wonder if I can share mm. my screen. No, That'd be cool. no, I don't think I can Facebook take notes. Um, but yeah, just doing that is going to significantly improve your photos.
1: Yeah. And I would say, um, Yeah, when you're getting lights, like, play around with them. Get a nice, soft light on your face. Don't have anything too close. And also, play around with shadows. Shadows are really interesting. Like, right now, half of my face is in shadow. Half of it is kind of lit. And if you can do stuff like that, it's like, the shadows is what creates personality. And the shadows is what kind of creates like that that contrast between light and dark and making everything not so light or making everything not too dark. So just getting a couple of small lights. RGB, like small ones from like JB, I think they're like 100, 200 bucks or something like that. They got all the colors, so you can have like a nice popping color in the background if that's your vibe, like a nice pink and then a nice warm color on your skin. Nice. And I, I'd say with with lighting, you always want to get, you always want to light the skin tones. You want your skin to look the nicest. That's my thing. Yeah. As as when I'm doing cinematography, I'm always like, cool, let's light for the skin tones and then move out from there because it's the skin tones that we really kind of draw our eyes to and we want them to look as natural as possible unless you're doing
0: something very colorful and wild and ambitious. Got it yeah yeah cool. What would you do for my what do you think of my background? What would you do? I've got a little plant here. It's gonna be plants
1: quiet, cool yeah if you could have like more plants, that would be rad. I would say like if you could have a bit of art in the background, that would be cool. Pop it with some things that mean something to you. There's like a favorite yeah. painter or um or yeah, just anything that like symbolizes and represents who you are you put in the background and it just subconsciously communicates to people it's like i'm like yeah you must really love nature you've got nature all over your shirt you've got a plan in the background what else do you love who's yeah, your favorite? well that... go... go ahead yeah who's your favorite artist like have some of their art in the background
0: yeah well yeah i have a good i have actually have this symbol on a where are you <laughs> yeah this
1: guy nice yeah so that
0: Enso, that symbol that has a lot of meaning for me and it definitely mm, plays mm. into my work so i could i could have that photo up there that yeah. painting or even yeah maybe there yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah but so you've got the corner behind your head as well yeah the corner of the bedroom yeah it's a like? bit of a funny shaped room
0: it's got a little like oh it's got a little it's kind of nook. like a little nook yeah 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 yeah, anyway, back back to the question. There's one other thing I'd recommend. If you're making video and you're recording audio, yeah. this is a really quick hack. It's called the Rode Go Wireless 2. And it's got one of these, which you plug on your shirt, and, it, and then it's wireless, and you plug the other one into your phone, and you can record, like, very high-quality audio. This should cover, like, pretty much... As a beginner, as a starting point, having one of these will cover all of your audio quality improvement. And if you're doing podcasts or long form video, having good quality sound is like so, so important um, because it's what helps people stay. If the quality, if you're just using your microphone for an hour or two, it can be a bit grating. Mm. So, yeah, having that can be really helpful as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can get so many different variations. Like if you just want a cable that plug straight into your phone instead of wireless, but those road twos, they're really, really good. they mm. that, yeah, I totally
0: recommend them. Cool. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. How, and this is one that like you've mentioned a lot of your clients ask you is how do you stay embodied, um, in your photos and your videos. And as part of that question, I'd love to know when you say stay embodied, what do you actually mean by that in staying embodied?
1: You know, I, I get, this is like probably the question I get asked the most because I'm like, I create content, but I'm also in the embodiment community. And it's like, people always like, how do you, how do you be embodied? How do you stay embodied? How do you show up embodied? And I love love this question because I think within the embodiment community, there's a lot of stigma around what is embodiment and what it means to be embodied. And it's this hyper focus on the physical being inside this kind of vessel here. And that I think we forget that when we're translating to artistry something like photography or film or copywriting or or anything like that is when it comes to being embodied, it's like, well, where are you most embodied? So with some clients, I won't focus on a traditional form of embodiment. I'll I'll look and be like, where are you really confident? Where do you really shine? And where are you most embodied? And the reason I say that is because have you listened to the embodiment podcast by, by the Emerald, Josh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That was a fantastic episode.
1: To see yeah. Yeah, how he took it from the body and he expanded it out into the head. He expanded embodiment into yeah. the collective. He expanded embodiment into the, the universal concept. And I think we kind of forget that sometime in embodiment. We think it's just about being in this physical vessel where it's like, oh, actually... Some people are most embodied when they're intellectual, when they're talking. And that's yeah. where their, their highest form of embodiment is. Some people, it's in how they move. It's how they dance. It's how, it's how their, 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 their state of being, the emotions that they can express in their body. Some people, it's how they, how they write. And if it's how they write, maybe it's how they create poetry. So I'm going to focus on capturing more something a bit more poetic. And I think people have this idea of what embodiment is and then it becomes a copy and paste and they're just trying to be like someone else who they see is embodied where really it's like where are you embodied and focus in on that. If you're really good at copywriting, that's a form of embodiment. You're embodying something and you're bringing it through your form and then you're expressing it through words. I would say that's embodiment. The head is still a part of the body. So to to... Kind of answer that question. It's like, yeah, where are you most confident? Highlight that. And if you've got room to improve in other areas, that's fine. But focusing on what you're most confident with first and then expand out from there. Um, And then staying embodied once you're in the process of capturing things is just following the threads of what's alive. So it's like if you're doing movement, just whether it's insecurity, self-doubt, ego, whatever, just keep following those threads until they
0: unravel. Cool. What, what do you mean by that, following those threads until they unravel?
1: So when, um, because my process with capturing people, if it is movement-based, let's say, for example, we get, I'm going to start, because it's like, it's part facilitated, it's part me directing. Um, there's like an interesting balance because I come from like a filmmaking background and an embodiment facilitation background, like I blend both of them. And I'll just start with some with where someone's at, and if they're feeling anxious about being captured, then we'll'll we'll, we'll start with the anxiety and then we'll we'll move through that and see where that goes next. And it might be like, "Oh, I'm actually really excited. okay, what are you excited about? I'm excited about expressing this, And then we kind of just keep going down the rabbit hole of what's the most alive thing, and then keep following that until it unravels something. and it might end up in rage, it might end up in grief, it might end up in ecstasy. But if you start with what's the highest emotion that you're feeling and then follow that down the rabbit hole, then you're going to find some really awesome, awesome content. You're going to find some really beautiful moments that are really authentic and that are really um,
0: organic for the moment. I, I love that approach because it drops us into what we're really authentically thinking and feeling. It's not its not performative. Like if you're feeling anxiety and you meet it, and you go down the rabbit hole with it. You're actually in true connection with where you're really at, mm. and that, I mean, to me, authenticity and embodiment are very closely linked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I'll add to that, um, like my my view around embodiment right now, and it's always evolving, is that um, like we we have the idea or the identity of who we are or who we want to be. That's the idea. Let's say I want to be confident and sexy in front of the camera. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, the question is, is that idea an embodied idea? And Mm. if it's embodied, I feel sexy and confident in front of the camera. If it's disembodied, I think I am or I tell myself that I am or I hope to be that, but in my body, I'm not feeling confident and sexy. I'm feeling nervous or stressed out or something. So the path to embodiment is um, addressing the, the patterns that are playing out in the body and in the subconscious. It's like, okay, if I'm feeling nervous, how do I meet that? How do I work with that? How do I bring harmony and love and acceptance to this mm. part so that it feels safe? So that's part of it is actually addressing what's really here. And then the other part is meeting is is cultivating a new blueprint a new feeling Uh, like learning how to be and animate archetypes that you've never animated before and then and then when you when you've addressed the vulnerability and you're actually feeling and posturing and breathing and talking and sounding in that state that you desire that's when it's really embodied Mm.
1: Mm. yeah Mm. yeah and and Go for it. I was just going to say, let's like ground this in practical advice for making some cool social media content, for example, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think we've gone, we've gone very macro and like a tip here is to like follow this path. If you're going to use this technique that we're both kind of jamming on is I would recommend getting your phone camera or just a camera on a tripod and setting up either capturing a video or a time lapse and then exploring those emotions somatically and then you're capturing the process and you're capturing every stage of the process and you only may need to take one still out of the video or one still out of the time lapse to tell that story. Yes. And that's like a practical way to ground embodiment and this process in something that actually gives you a result in the end.
0: And and this is what we'll be doing, part of what we'll be doing at the retreat. We're going to understand like, how does our audience need us to show up and how are we choosing to show up? What archetype, what personality, what are we symbolizing to our audience as people that's mm-hmm. authentic and true and not dishonest? And then what's in the way, What? where are we vulnerable, where are we blocked and how do we meet that so that we can authentically embody these qualities that we want to show up with? And then how mm-hmm. do we feel and move through the world as those, people and we're going to be practicing it in real time with other people watching and with mentorship and support so if you want to try that stuff come join us and and you'll have a really big breakthrough Mm. hopefully yeah um yeah but thank you for making it grounded and practical yeah just that's that's such a great point yeah
1: yeah we can totally just stay on the macro on all this this stuff but yeah maybe some practical
0: tips for people would be good yeah cool cool okay well let's move on to the next question yeah. and we'll, we'll see if we can make it practical so great when like when you know what you stand for in your brand mm-hmm. but you have all these different things that are parts of you that you want to share on social media mm-hmm. how do you like i the, the woman who messaged me there she said i i feel like i need to stay focused on brand but there's so many parts of me i want to represent so how do mm-hmm. i How do I, like, stay focused and clear and not confuse people, even though there's all this stuff about me that I want to share?
1: Cool. Um, Man, I think this is a really big question, and it's a really big question for me right now because I've minimized a lot of stuff. Like, I just share about um, the stuff that I feel like is most relevant for me at the moment. However, I also will share whatever I want to share because it's my platform. It's my voice. It's not just about marketing. It's about expressing something as well and expressing what, whatever it feels like I want to express at the time. And for me, it's different because my brand is like so much different than someone who would be like a facilitator or a coach or something like that. So my theory is, like, I just experiment. My social media is a place for me to experiment and play and come up with new ideas to serve my clients. Like, real, realistically for me, like, social media is just a place, a place to experiment and play. Like, because of the, the situation that I'm in is I'm a creator for other people. I create for myself as well, but as a work working thing is I create for other people. So I just love using social media to see what ideas work, work what type of images work? What happens if I try this new technique? What happens if I try this new tool? Like, I just want to experiment and play. And I'm not restricted because um, my brand really is word of mouth more than it is online. Um, so I would recommend that from that kind of perspective, it really depends on what stage you are in your journey and if you're a really high peaking performance person who's got their strategy figured out got their brand figured out you're systemizing the process now you're really far along the journey like you want to be careful about what else you share but if you're at the beginning stage of what of your journey of branding and marketing and just generally sharing online Really don't want to care too much about those things like if you've got something to say say it if it's on a controversial topic maybe get someone to vet it first maybe just call in a little bit of support from people like hey i want to share this post can you read it first to make sure that i'm not gonna like destroy my my image or whatever and get cancelled for a week but everyone just moves on anyway after a week anyway so like just full permission to share whatever you want. It's your platform. It's your voice. Like, yes, you might be monetizing it as well, but, like, it's your place to shine. It's a theater. It's a stage. You can put on whatever play you want to put on.
0: Yeah. I love love that you've touched on just not worrying too much. Yeah. Like, better to post a whole lot of stuff and make some mistakes than to not post anything at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I got
1: this
0: that's great how get minute.
1: The, go ahead. Go I was just going to say it's how you get the pulse on what's really alive in the collective. It's like when you yeah. post everything, it's, if you can post 30 things and see what's pulsing and what people are like, oh, I really like that, then you're going to be closer and closer towards genuinely um, and authentically connecting with people because you're trying out, you're experimenting, you're doing new things. Um, and in that, you might do something that took you five minutes to whip up and share. And it's like that gets you maybe 90% of your engagement and you never would have known.
0: Totally. Totally. And like that whole attitude of of extreme caution when you're posting, like that typically results in really bland content. Like we don't, we don't, we, we want to take risks. We want to do something audacious or interesting or different. We don't want to look like everyone else. So, like doing something unique that's really true to you even if it feels a bit edgy that's probably a good thing like David Bowie said if you're not creating art that makes you feel uncomfortable you're not really an artist and I think there's a lot of truth in that when it comes to social media like like Mm -hmm. trying new things and, and breaking through and playing with the edges that's where that's where you break through the monotony of the feed and you stand out and people start to really notice the risk in social media is not really being canceled for most of us. I don't think any 99% of the people watching this, you're nowhere near audacious enough or rebellious (laughs) or offensive (laughs) enough. Like we've, we've all like, we've all become so numb to extremes that it's highly, highly unlikely that you're going to get canceled. The real risk is just not getting noticed at all. So go out and take some risks and do something weird. I want to see that. We all want to see that. We want Mm -hmm. to see something unique. Um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of practicalities, the question of, like, how do I stop avoiding confusing my audience? Firstly, when you're launching, when you're selling something for a fixed period of time, you don't want to be selling a million different things. Just sell one. Th- I tend to suggest sell one thing at a time, unless you're really crushing it at the things that you're selling. Just sell one thing at a time because selling multiple things can dilute the energy of your launch and confuse people. But in terms of brand content, content that's just there to engage with your audience and show who you are, variety is a great thing because it keeps people on their toes. If you post about the same thing every single day, people are like, oh yeah, yeah, another marketing post, okay, I know what this guy has to say already. So having a bit of variety is really good. Having said that, having coherence is also a good thing. We can have variety and coherence at the same time. The way that we have coherence is, again, knowing what your brand pillars are. Like what are my three to five key themes or values that I represent and and consistently showing up for those values When you're first starting out, chopping and changing them is great because you're still figuring out what you stand for, but eventually you'll start to settle and be like, ah, this feels right for me, this resonates, this is who I am in the marketplace. And you just keep showing up with that stuff and slowly, gradually over time, people will come to know you as that person so that when they have that need and that desire to buy, you'll be front and center of mind. So to shrink that all in, sell one thing at a time, do create variety but also have some coherence with your brand themes and you'll do really well
1: Mm. great love that love that i think just highlighting the point that you made about selling one thing at a time that's great information
0: yeah i love that yeah So, so for me my brand themes are like awesome marketing strategy um like Embodiment, psychology in a child, self-love, like that—that that kind of more mm. emotive piece, comedy. Like I try and make at least one out of every four or five posts funny or silly, mm. and mm. community, community, and, mm. and all four of these things are like they're who I am. So uh, it's quite useful to keep them going. I notice mm. when I when I just write about marketing for a week. People lose interest, but if I keep hitting the different pillars and keep creating variety, it still stays fresh and exciting and, and interesting, and I tend mm-hmm. to get much more engagement. Yeah. 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 Love it. Love it. Cool. Do you have anything to add on that topic, Tom?
1: No, nah, man. I really feel like you, you, um, you got the major pieces of that one. That was great. I even learned a little bit.
0: Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: And and like I said at Catalyst,
0: we're going to be getting clear on all this stuff. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what your themes are and you need some more personalised support, you can come join us and we'll we'll, we'll make sure you mail it. Um, but next question: AI imaging, the hot topic of the hour. Uh, yeah. Is it art? Is it not art? Is it ethical? Is it unethical? And 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 I. Th- I think I'd like, I want to hear your general thoughts on it, Tom, and then I want to bring it into like a marketing, like what yeah, where what's its place okay. in marketing because that's really yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. Look, my general thoughts on it is at the moment, I'm really excited by the ideas of AI. I think AI generated imagery and copy and all of this stuff has the potential to really support us um, as creative beings on a general level. Um, And I think that there's real conversations that need to keep being had, which is why I'm glad that this question is coming up here. Firstly, I wanna say, do we value the creativity or the craftsmanship more? And I think that's where AI in the conversation is like, are we valuing artists craftsmanship of their art or are we valuing their creativity and what they bring? Because there's, very, there's so many different types of creatives and artists out there. So using AI-generated imagery, it's like to some artists that's annoying because their only platform is creating portraits, let's say. However, a lot of artists are also like there's the creative need to express something, and whatever format works for them is what works for them. And, you know, like I'm bringing in a very, very different approach here, but... but It's like outdated skills. Is AI going to outdate our skills? And there's a concern around that, but also like technology is constantly removing jobs, constantly automating processes, so we have to be realistic in the fact that, yeah, we need to focus more on the creativity, we need to focus more on the problem-solving rather than the craft um, at hand. Um, My only concern with lens are and i explored it i experimented with it. i think it's a lot of fun my concern with it is that it's bootlegging other people's styles and using that as references to generate these images and i would love to see some form of financial compensation for those artists whose images get used that would be really amazing i don't know if that's going to work or if that's you know possible but that's the conversation i'm interested in having at the moment is like cool These people whose styles are being used to create these generated arts, artworks, can they get compensated fairly? Maybe maybe that's like a bit of a Spotify thing where they have like just a library of images or something, but I would love to see that conversation happen. Um, And in a macro level, what's your perspective before we get into using it for marketing?
0: Yeah, I... I mean, I'm just such a practical dude. I just want to do what works for my marketing. But I'll, I'll share my views on the, on the politics of it. Like, I think, like, where, you know, when, when the printing press came out, people were an upraged, outraged about how it was going to destroy, um, like, verbal history and, and storytelling and memory, right? And there was a huge moral outrage. And now it's, it's ubiquitous and no one has any issue with it. When photography came out, the art world was in outrage. It was like, well, all these artists who do photorealistic drawings are going to be out of work. This is, we should ban this. And now it's ubiquitous and it just is. Like, the technology is coming. And it's a bit of a waste of energy to just simply object to its existence on moral grounds. I think it's, it's you've got to accept the reality that this is the new way. This is the new way, and then it's okay. If it is the new way, then how? So, you know, the question around compensation for using artist styles, I don't know. I like the idea of that occurring, but at the same time, um, isn't that what all the other artists are doing anyway? Like, um, isn't like when you go to art school, you learn what other artists did and you borrow from them to create something new. So you know, are, are the artists now going to start compensating their, their inspirations financially? I, I don't think so. So um, I suspect that there will be like an AI Spotify, the ethical AI where artists are compensated. I could see that emerging in the way that like, you know, Napster translated into Spotify. But I think it's going to be, you know, a good probably 10 years before something like that emerges Mm. and in the meantime there's going to be a lot of content created very cost effectively without any financial compensation whatsoever am i I okay with it ethically i don't think it's ideal but i'm still probably going to use it if i'm really honest with myself like and if i'm going to use it then like do i really have a real ethical objection You know, if we're Mm. still going to use it, if we're still going to praise it, if we're still going to look at it and consume it, what does the ethical objection really mean? Mm. That's an interesting
1: question. I think we're too early on in its advancement to understand the ethics of it. And that's why I just think it's good that we're having conversations around it and that Mm -hmm. it is such a hot topic that maybe we're still a few years away from making some decisions about the ethics of it because we I don't know exactly what direction it's going in.
0: Yeah, we're still experiment. Yeah, I agree. It's, we're, in, we're in, as a culture, we're in our infancy around even understanding yeah. the moral implications of this. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But um, grounding it in marketing. Uh, yeah. And this, this is the one thing that AI, at the current point in time, which is the end of 2022, the AI cannot do this, as I'm aware yet, They cannot tell a larger story. They cannot create a larger marketing um, strategy. So when using AI-generated material, it's a foundation and it's a place to draw inspiration from. But it's never going to, at this point in time, you can't use AI-generated art to create an overarching bigger story and to do overarching bigger marketing strategies. It's like it's a small piece, but we can't be relying on it. Like, I love the idea of AI-generated copy because, for one, not everyone's English is great, right? And it's so inaccessible for people whose second language is English to be writing copy. And I think that it is a valuable tool for people who are at a disadvantage. It's not everyone can write and, and fluently express themselves with copy as other people can can people who brought up in you know english-speaking households so i'm kind of all for it in ways that help people do things that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do um but you can't have the creativity that a human being has when applying using ai generated images and copy and all of that sort of stuff and bring it into a cohesive vision a cohesive narrative and cohesive marketing strategy like it's just it's not there at the moment. So if you can use AI, use it, but like have a bigger strategy. Focus more on the matter. yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's a good tool with the right strategy, but it can't replace strategy yet. Mm. Yeah,
1: mm. and it can't replace I, artistry yet either. Because as an artist, you're not you're not what, known for one image that you create. You're known for a plethora of creations that you do. You're known for a body of work. As an artist, you have a body of work, which is your value, which is your your assets. And one painting will help tell the story of another painting because there's motifs, there's allegories, there's themes. And I think that applies directly into marketing as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the tool.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. So I, I think when we talk about AI right now, we're looking at images and text <clears throat> images. It's very good for making portraits and mm-hmm. like a single object on frame. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I'm finding um, there's like apps you can type in. Oh, I want to make a, a pink elephant playing poker and um, laughing like a maniac. You know, you can, have a single object done quite well if you put in the time, which is quite exciting. I got super excited when I first found it. I was playing with it for hours and hours. But then when I actually started trying to use it to create marketing images, I hit some walls. And the wall that I hit was once you go past a single object and you try and lay out a scene, it's actually quite difficult to get exactly mm-hmm. what you want. I I found, if if there's a way that you figured out how to do this, message me and let me know, because I'd love to, like, learn from you. But, like, for example, like, having, you know, a person on stage, being an inspiring speaker in front of an audience, giving a standing ovation, where the speaker is on the left and the audience is on the right, like that level, it hasn't nailed yet. So I I quickly find myself, I was playing with it a lot to create marketing content. I did a few images with it and then I just let go of it because it just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Mm. And then in terms of novelty. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what lens is doing now with photos of people's faces, like give me a hundred portraits of me in different styles and different positions. I see potential in that, like, because Ideally, you wanna have a range of different photos that show you with different expressions. And then you can take, I've, I've got this now. I've now got a bank of photos of me talking in front of 200 people, talking in front of 10 people, looking by myself, holding an object. I've got this bank of photographs that I've either had professionally done or taken myself and I can pick the photo that best suits the text. And that's really powerful having a palette of images um, and AI can, can kind of do some of that for you. And I think that's just going to get better and better once they start, give, stop giving like 12 finger hands and three armed humans.
1: Man, I would um, love my 12 finger hands and double arms.
0: <laughs> Those images for me were the best. They were
1: distorted and had a bit of grit yeah. and a, like the distortion made it emotional for me. Like my face yeah. was sagging and I'm like, whoa, that's a powerful image because it's not perfect.
0: And it's not I love how you, clean. you, I love how you stand for that, Tom. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Don't make, don't use AI to make us perfect. You a- use AI to make us distorted. And
0: <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, and, that's really interesting. Like, cause it's clear that AI, the lens AI images are making people look like gods or porn stars. You know, like, like, <laughs> cause all the images on the internet, like the women are just these huge gigantic breasts and everyone has ripped abs. And so obviously that's what, how people want to see themselves or, you know, it's picking up something in our culture and like there, there's a good question around the authenticity, like how do we bring back the authenticity?
1: Mm-hmm yeah I think that's an interesting part of it The over glamorization of the sexualization of us i guess would be it's like it's <clears> it's over it's overly sexualized and that's interesting from a perspective of i guess the unconscious collective and how so much of our sexuality is um is in the taboo is is in the shadows and I think that' surfaced in the a i art um that we've seen is like, like yeah this repression is kind of showing itself because it doesn't yeah. need to be that way. We don't need to see women with big breasts and men with, you know, six, eight abs. Like, like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm interested in maybe seeing a really tall, lanky version of me as a tree. You know, I would love to see yeah. that. like me mixed with tree beard from Lord of the Rings. That would be cool.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, we, they could make a version of it where it's like Thomas Busby, Treebeard. Yeah, Thomas Busby. That. I think that that's probably already really easy to do on AI.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would love to do that, like a raccoon version of me, or a squirrel version of me. That would be cool as well.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah.
1: And I guess um, it kind of ties into another thing that's been floating about between us, which is like using apps and stuff to make us look prettier and i think yeah i'll just interesting
0: topic before we pivot to that i'll just say one more thing about the ai Mm -hmm. um in terms of practical use for marketing and that is as a text generator tom you already mentioned this like i wrote i wrote i wrote in the ai write me a sales page for this product with this price point and these features and it wrote a thousand word sales page that was very good. Like 80% of the way there. And then I could have just taken that text, changed a few phrases, and, and that would have been a fantastic sales page. And then I said, write me a Facebook post on this topic. I want it to be funny. I want it to be controversial, and I want it to be um, like generate engagement. And it did, and it was pretty good. It wasn't perfect. It was a little bit generic. And I said, make it funnier. And it made it funnier. It laced in puns. It, it, it had more emphatic language. It was, it was amazing. And I could have totally taken that and changed a few lines. And then I asked it another, and then I was like, write a post in the style of this Facebook profile. And I put my Facebook profile in. And then it actually gave me a post about authenticity and marketing. So it's obviously read my Facebook profile and, and and aggregated it and created something, you know, like I, I think that the potential of that already is huge. Like for creating copy, I said, write 10 controversial questions that will inspire people to respond on the topic of embodied marketing. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. And four of the 10 were like, Oh yeah, I could potentially use that. And then I said, write them again but make them more controversial. And it rewrote them using more emphatic language and harsher uh, polarization. It's like it's getting really, really smart. Like if you're looking for creative inspiration on text for marketing, I would highly recommend uh, having a play with some of these text engines.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy what becomes possible once you start using it because – You can put in, I know you can put in a post and it'll, like you can put in sales copy and it'll turn it into like 50 different posts and it's like, that's just insane that you can do that and then change those posts, make them more authentic, make them more like, you know, individualized but then you've got like, you could just put them onto an app like later and then schedule them over a month and all you have to worry about is just filler content just more authentic content more stuff that just shows your personality
0: yeah mm. yeah the potential like you know I'm, I'm really going to start utilizing this stuff more aggressively over the next few months um mm. and find out the good how, how to find the blend yeah. between AI and, and human and I'm excited to put some stuff out to like actually teach people how to do this well I think it's mm. going to be huge game changer definitely definitely but back to um making apps to make yourself look pretty the beautifying Mm. apps what's your take on that
1: look i'm gonna start off this one because um i think it's a sensitive topic and i'm just gonna talk about it from i guess my perspective as a filmmaker and photographer so when i take photos of people it's always like an ethics question of photo retouching and what's the appropriate amount of photo retouching that's similar to what these apps do that make us look pretty um, or pretty or filters or whatever and when it comes down to it especially in photos it's about removing unnecessary details and that That's a lot of what the retouching process is, is removing details so we're focusing on just the most important parts. And that's been over-dramatized in skin retouching and like warping people's body and changing their hair and doing all of these things. And it kind of just comes down to like, what's the need for it? Like I don't fully like, Like all of the face filters that Instagram has, where they, you know, change the face and restructure the face and put on makeup and stuff. I think they're fun to play with every now and then. But I think about what they actually do is they help remove details as well that just clog up an image. It's like, you know, right now I've got a very chaotic background. Like I've got this little tree wire thing here, which is a bit chaotic. I got some plants over here. And if I'm going to retouch a photo, like I want to remove details that don't need to be there and just keep the symbols, just keep the shapes that need to be there to tell the story because otherwise it's just too overwhelming for people and there's just too much stimulation in an image to, to, to say something and to be unique. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of more, more like, well, does removing blemishes, does removing things with filter add to the story or does it subtract from the story and that mm. it's kind of like do you need to always be looking beautiful or can you sometimes be looking like a hag or a rag or whatever like sometimes we want to look pretty sometimes we don't need to look pretty so I think to yeah. use it make sure you're not using it at the same time
0: yeah look I think what people are thinking are oh my God, everyone looks amazing. They're clearly photoshopping themselves. Sex sells. People buy from beautiful people. I need to make myself look more beautiful on every single post. But I feel a little bit uncomfortable about it because it's dishonest or it sets an unhealthy standard for our culture. I don't want to contribute to this unrealistic expectation culture. So... What, should I do it, should I not do it you know that's, I feel like that's what a lot of people are thinking
1: mm-hmm. and what do you think about um, what would be your advice for people navigating that, mm. that topic at the moment because it's very, very predominant, very big Look,
0: everyone's doing that, Really, I think you've, you've got to do what feels right for you. I don't think there's one moral stance. I think it depends on your priorities. So, if, if your priority, like I, the fact is that the science shows that people buy from beautiful people. People are more influenced by beautiful people. So, if your top priority is is to sell and the ethics is secondary or not present for you, mm. then you, you would t- tweak your images, provided that you're not over tweaking them in a way that clearly looks doctored. Because um, a lot of people do that, and it's like, I can see the gaps in your filter, and this does not look right, and and that can hurt trust. So a bit of subtle uh, photo touching, if your priority is to sell, i would I would advise that, but if you have an ethical objection, if that doesn't sit well for you, if you want to be honest and take a stand for something different, then you wouldn't do that um and And if you are going to take a stand, I would make it known i would mm. i would i would I would make that a part of your brand and say, hey, we don't this is not how we do things. this is not okay. like reveal the hidden layer and and really own it and lean into it." um and and i like it is a moral dilemma and and i I occasionally you know hide the bags under my eyes using a a photo filter when I'm like looking particularly tired um, and and I do think, oh shit, this is like setting up an unhealthy standard this perpetuating unhealthy standard. Um, And I guess each person just has to draw their own line in the sand about where they stand on it.
1: Yeah. yeah, I I 100% agree with that. I 100% agree with that. For me, it's remove as much detail that is unnecessary to telling the story, and that's my ethics in it, is I will retouch to a certain point, but I won't go beyond that point if it's not necessary to telling the story. I just think it's a waste of my time because um, it takes a lot of time to do high-end photos professionally retouch. It's like we spend hours and hours mm. and it's just like, I don't want to waste my time. And secondary, it's just like, yeah, I just don't think it's always necessary, but I'll remove like lighting posts, light poles and stuff in the background for sure. Cause, and yeah. like, emergency signs. I don't want an emergency sign in the back of my image. Like,
0: no? yeah um, smart yeah. I like that I like that as a distinction yeah mm. that's cool mm. okay hitting mm. the hot topics hitting yeah. the challenging issues here um, mm. I don't have any more questions to speak to thanks to everyone who shared your questions by the way I hope you got value out of the answers that we shared with you um, talk a little bit about Catalyst If you wanna go deep, you know, map out your whole marketing strategy from bottom up or just give it a reset, give it a refresh and then go out into the forest, have some like deep transformative connective experiences like a couples retreat for you and your business where you leave stronger and more connected than ever and then have time dedicated, purely focused on creating content without the kitchen to distract you, with cleaning and the fridge, all the food is catered for you. The accommodations taken care of. It's a beautiful environment and you have mentorship. You have people like me and Tom and Lisa and Yo here to support you in real time when you need support. So it's a huge level up of your marketing skill and your marketing maturity. You're basically becoming the marketing director for your business in a big, powerful way. Um, you know, emotionally, psychologically, strategically, tactically. And you're actually executing. It's like all these dimensions. If that feels alive for you, if you need that support, if your marketing's feeling a bit dry, or just needs like a like a revitalization, a catalyst, if you will, then come join us. Catalyst February 5th till the 11th. It's the Sunday till the Saturday, I believe. We've got an early bird sale for another 10 days till the 23rd. You can save 500 bucks. Um, message me if you want more info okay catalyst pitch done
1: final thing from my perspective would be have fun don't take it too seriously try to implement as much as you can in terms of creating content and taking photos and videos but realistically it's crazy it's chaotic enjoy it as much as you can it's art. yeah have fun make some art
0: share your voice thanks Thank you for the counting. So valid. Yeah, Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, bye, guys. Hope you have a beautiful day. Bye bye. You too, bro. Bye.